Good morning. We are glad you're here. Thank you for your presence today. We're always glad for the opportunity to be together on the first day of the week. We hope if you are visiting that you feel welcome. We would love to have you come back and worship with us at every opportunity you have. As always, we invite those who may be visiting who are looking for a church home. We would love to have you come and be a part of the work here at Olive Branch. And so we certainly want to encourage all who are looking for a church home to consider the work here. We need able-bodied people who are able to work and labor, advancing the cause of Christ. We're looking today at 2 Timothy chapter 2 in our study. Paul, in his writings, sometimes used a figure of speech in the realm of warfare. Paul identifies the fact that we are, as God's people, facing conflict every day. And we are to be soldiers of Christ. The song we sang a moment ago reminds us of the warfare that we're involved in. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul really stresses this idea of war, of the battles of life. And so we want to talk about some of the characteristics of a good soldier on the battlefield. And there is a parallel. Good soldiers that are engaging in carnal conflict, the wars of this world. Spiritually, however, we are involved in war. We have conflict every day. The enemy, as we know, is the devil, Satan. He's identified by Jesus as the wicked one. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus simply says that he is the enemy. So we got to know something about the enemy and about the warfare that we're involved in. So I want to begin by first and foremost, as we think about some of these characteristics, let me just stress the idea that those of us who are soldiers of Christ, that we must be strong or we need strength on the battlefield. Now there are a couple of things that maybe we ought to consider in light of this point. Number one, we must be ready for conflict, ready for war. And that's going to require a couple of things. Number one, we have to be tough. I mean rock solid tough. Look at what Paul says in verse one. Paul would say to Timothy, his son in the faith, be strong in the grace which is in Christ Jesus. Down in verse three, he would tell him to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you know anything about carnal warfare, you know that it is not easy. The conditions that soldiers face and find themselves in from time to time, far from ideal, far from pleasant. But there have been many, many soldiers on the battlefield in days gone by. And they have faced any number of problems, things that we might consider to be the necessities of life, lack of food, lack of adequate clothing, lack of shelter, thirst. When you start looking at some of the conditions that soldiers in days gone by as American soldiers faced on the battlefield. And you know, in order to come home, you've got to be very tough. Spiritually speaking, if you want to make it as a child of God, 
You've got to be undergirded with strength. You've got to be rock solid, strong in the faith. That's what Paul's saying here. Be strong in the grace. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, you remember he counseled in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes, methodologies of the devil. The devil's going to bring it every day. And he is not our ally, he is an adversary. And so when we talk about warfare, to understand we've got to be rock-solid tough. And then we need training, don't we? There's not a soldier, past, present, or future, that has not been trained or that will not be trained to execute his job on the battlefield. Now look at what Paul says in verse 2. The things which you have heard from me among many witnesses. Paul said, I want you to commit these to faithful men so that they might be able to teach others also. So what's the idea here? Christianity is a religion that is taught. We have to teach people. And one of the things that we have to teach people when they become a child of God is that you've got to understand you're on the battlefield of life. And you've got to be taught principles that will help you overcome the evil one or the enemy. Paul, as I said a moment ago, wrote to Timothy as his own son in the faith. Paul had the opportunity to mentor him, to teach him, to instruct him to set before him the right example. And Paul understood that if Timothy were to be successful in his Christian life as a soldier, then he needed to know something about the enemy and about living the Christian life. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, listen to what Paul said. Fight the good fight of faith. There's the idea of warfare. I mentioned a moment ago in verse 3, Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter 1, Paul would talk about waging a good warfare, identifying two men, Hymenaeus and Alexander, who made shipwreck of their faith. They failed, didn't they? So, number one, we got to be ready for the battlefield. And number two, what about the reality of the battlefield? I mean, when you talk about war, it doesn't matter what war you want to talk about. There are certain characteristics of war that just stand out or that leap off the page. In this context, number one, Paul is saying that there are hardships associated with warfare. It is no picnic living out in a jungle, living under a tent, in conditions that are just deplorable. It's hard. And as we talk about the Christian life, look, there are a lot of folks that have this idea that, you know, once you become a child of God, all your troubles, all your trials, all the temptations are just going to fall by the wayside. Look, if anything, you're going to face greater conflict. Because the adversary of the devil, I can tell you this, he's coming after you. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. 
Your adversary of the devil walks about as a roaring lion. Listen to him. Seeking whom he may devour. So you're going to face some hardships. It'll be tough times. Look, life is tough. The good thing is we've got God on our side. He's our ally. And the Lord's not going to forsake us. He's not going to walk away from us. He's going to be right there with us every step of the way. But to know that hardship will come. Paul talked about a number of problems he faced in life. Mentioned the persecutions and afflictions that he had faced at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Then in verse 12 of chapter 3, he would say, All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Says something about hardship. But then, not just the hardship of war, but the heartache of war. There were some major disappointments in the life of Paul. In chapter 4, verse 10, he talked about a fellow by the name of Demas that had forsaken him. He had gone AWOL, left the faith, became entangled once again with the world, and as Peter said, he became overcome. There are heartaches that we face as Christian soldiers. Go back and do some reading on World War II and read about the hardships and heartaches that those men and women faced fighting for our freedom. I read about a gentleman just the other day. Matter of fact, I listened to a gentleman talk well into his 90s that had been at Normandy. And he said, when they let the gate down on that boat, or small ship, something like the gate or tailgate on a truck, but much, much larger. He said, when that gate dropped, the enemy is firing from the beach. And he said, they're just mowing guys down in front of us. Now, that'd be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? And he talked about those soldiers that never made it out of the water. Many lying on the beach, crying and moaning in pain. I mean, it was heartbreaking to listen to. Well, when you talk about living the Christian life, it can be heartbreaking. There are great losses sometimes that we face in this life. So we've got to be ready for war and then the reality of war. War is hard. And war can be heartbreaking. Paul also talks about a fellow by the name of Alexander the coppersmith that had done him a great deal of harm. Were there disappointments in the life of Paul? I mentioned a moment ago, Hymenaeus and Alexander, and then over in chapter 2 of this very book that we're looking at, he speaks of two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who, concerning the truth, he said, have heard, teaching that the resurrection is already past. And then he said, they overthrow the faith of some. There are people that used to sit in these pews. They were here every single week. They're not here now. Some, sadly, have gone back into the world. It's heartbreaking to see folks that have lost their way spiritually. Now, there's a second thing 
we want to talk about in our study. When we talk about trying to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ and some of the characteristics that we need embedded in life. Number two, let me suggest that a good soldier is not only to be strong, not only must he or she be strong on the battlefield, but the Bible says a good soldier is single-minded when it comes to the battlefield. Well, how's that the case? In other words, what about being single-minded? Imagine if you can, you've been drafted into the military. And our government's going to send you overseas to face the enemy. What's going to be, what's going to be weighing heavily on your mind? I'll tell you what would be on my mind. I just want to come back home. I just want to get back home to American soil. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, what then should be my outlook in life? I'm facing war, conflict every day. The devil's walking about as a roaring lion. He's using different methodologies and schemes to try to subvert and sink my faith. So what then should my mindset be? Number one, I've got to stay out of harm's way. I'm going to do my best to stay out of harm's way. That means I'm not going to go places and do things that will risk my eternal soul, jeopardize my soul. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, Paul said, Neither give place to the devil. And what Paul is saying is, don't give him any more real estate in your life. He's already got enough. What you've got to do is stay out of harm's way. Understand temptation is going to come, trial is going to come, difficulties will come in this life, but your goal is you be faithful to Almighty God. You stay out of harm's way. There are some places a Christian will not go. Why? Because it can be detrimental to their spiritual health, to our spiritual health, to understand that we've got to stay out of harm's way. Now add to that. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, here I am living in the world. The devil is setting before me an array of temptations every day. I've got to battle these temptations. I've got to try to stay strong in the faith. I'm ready for war. I understand the reality of war. And so here I am, I'm trying, to stay out of I'm trying to stay out of harm's way, and I need to stay in heaven's way. My goal, look, if I'm on the battlefield somewhere in this world, my goal is to get home. That's it. In this world, when we do battle with the devil, we have to understand our goal is to get home. Spiritually, we want to go home and be with God, don't we? That's going to require me to walk in heaven's way, the highway of the righteous. Well, how do I do that? 
You remember in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, John talked about walking in the light as He is in the light. And John said, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of His Son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So what does it mean for me to walk in the light? It simply means to walk in harmony with God's Word. Now there's a term used by Paul in 2 Thessalonians that is a military term. It has to do with withdrawing from brethren or members of the body of Christ who are not what they ought to be. They're not faithful to God. And the intent is to wake them up, to bring them back to where they need to be. So Paul said, withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly. The reason I want to use that verse is because that word disorderly means to break rank. Here's a soldier out of cadence. And the idea is if we're not walking in the light, we're out of cadence. We're not where we ought to be. We're not in heaven's way. You remember Paul in writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19? Talked about those who mind earthly things. Here's a child of God engulfed in the world. They're thinking like the world. They're buying what the world has to offer. And what happens? It deludes the mind, doesn't it? Paul in writing to the saints in Rome, in Romans chapter 12. Encourage those folks to not be conformed to the world. In other words, don't let the world pour you in its mold, into its mold. But rather you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a mind thing. Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it flow the issues of life. Solomon would say, in Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So my goal is to get home to be with God one day. And I don't want to let anything get me off track. Friend of mine, friend of Brother Billy, friend of some of you, Brother John Shannon. John was in Vietnam. And John said that while in Vietnam, he had a singular thought. And that thought was, I want to go home. That's got to be the thought of a Christian. When it's all said and done, my citizenship, my commonwealth is in heaven. As Paul would say to the church at Colossae, we are to set our mind on things above and not on things which are on this earth. You hook your wagon to the world, you're hooking your wagon to a losing cause. John said, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, listen to him, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. If you're on the side of the world, you're on the losing side. Just that simple. So I want to stay out of harm's way, and I want to, as a good soldier of Christ, I want to stay in heaven's way. 
Paul said, no man who wars entangles himself in the affairs of this life. I've got to be single-minded. I've got to keep my eyes on the cross. Remember in Hebrews chapter 12, when the writer said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, my eyes are on Christ, they're on the cross, and they're on getting home. Anything other than that is secondary. There's a third thing that I want to just maybe share with you in light of what we're looking at today. And that is a good soldier. A good soldier is submissive on the battlefield. If we were to go out on the battlefield in some remote part of our country, there are a couple of things that we need to consider in light of that. And that is, as someone in the military, first and foremost, I have to learn to submit to my superior officers. I've got to be willing to listen to what they say. And not just listen, but I've got to be willing to do what they say. Now Paul said that no man who wars entangles himself in the affairs of this life. Why? That he might please him who enlisted him. When we became a Christian, we, in one sense of the word, signed on the dotted line. And we said, Lord, your will is our will. And your ways are now my ways, our ways. We're here to serve you, and whatever you say, that's what goes. We take our orders from the commander-in-chief. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so when I look to Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords, I can ask myself, does he know what he's talking about? Yes, he does. So why is it imperative that I listen to my commander? Well, number one, so that I can execute my duty. I've got to know what the Lord would require from me. How am I going to know His will if I don't study the handbook? Now, you go in the military. They're going to have rules and procedures. And they're going to be things that you're going to have to study and implement into your life so that you might be able to execute your responsibilities. So as a child of God, I've got to understand that I'm a servant. And as a servant, even after I've done all those things that have been commanded, I'm still an unprofitable servant. But my goal is to please my commanding officer. That's Jesus. And we can't please Him. So I want to make sure that my life is in harmony with His Word. Now the Bible talks about being zealous of good works being ready unto every good work, of showing ourselves as a pattern of good works, that, we're to be, that we are to be careful to maintain good works. But I'm not going to know what those works are. I'm not going to know what God's will is if I don't spend time in His book. I've got to spend time with the master plan. So number one, my goal is to be submissive to Jesus, the King of Kings so that I might be able to execute my duty as a Christian, but number two, because I want to escape death. 
I mentioned John Shannon a minute ago. I remember John telling me many years ago that when they were in Vietnam, their superior officers told them, they said, you do not fraternize with the locals here. They will mess you up. They will get you killed. And they used women and children to accomplish that. So what's my goal as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? On the battlefield of life, out on that carnal battlefield, look, I want to get home. And there are a lot of folks, there have been a lot of folks in days gone by, they've been in the military and they've served this country. Some are in eternity because they didn't listen to what their commanding officer said. And John said there were guys that they lost their life because they didn't listen to what the officers told them. Now look, you fail to listen to Jesus, fail to execute His will in your life, you're going to die on the battlefield. The death we're talking about, though, is not a physical death, but rather it is a spiritual death. Out there on the battlefield, overseas somewhere, I want to get home. I want to escape death. Well, spiritually speaking, I want to escape death. Paul said the wages of sin is death. The devil wants you to buy into the idea that you need the world and all the things that go with the world, all the trinkets and thrills. You can do that and you can immerse yourself in the pleasures of this world. And look, I believe as a Christian, you can enjoy life. Christianity is the best life because it's a blessed life. But the devil says you need to be a part of the world to really maximize your pleasure. What the Lord's saying is you do that, you lose your life. The wages of sin is death, the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. So are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Are you demonstrating strength on the battlefield? Are you single-minded on the battleground of life? And then thirdly, are you submissive on that battlefield? No, don't, don't make any mistake about it. We're on a battlefield. As Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Here's the question of the hour. Are we a faithful soldier? Are we, are we where we ought to be? If not, could I encourage you to get back where you need to be? Now, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to enlist in the Lord's army. How do you do that? Well, first and foremost, you have to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Then you take that faith and you put it into action. Peter said on Pentecost Day, you repent. That is, you repent from the ways of the world. Then you're to be baptized or immersed in water for what reason? So your sins can be washed away. Now when you do that, the Hebrew writer said that your name will be registered in heaven. In other words, God's going to put your name in what he calls the book of life. And then the exhortation to you is to just be a good soldier of Christ. To try to execute his commands in your life. To live for him. And listen, when you do that day in, day out, 
There is a tremendous reward that waits. Well, what is that reward? It's called the crown of life. The victor's crown. And one day, we're going to stand before God as a good soldier. And here's what Jesus is going to say to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. Be worth it all. Now, if you're here today and maybe your life's not what it ought to be and you want the prayers of the church, that you want to try to get your life back in harmony with the will of God, look, we would be more than happy to pray with you. To pray for you and with you. And God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.